Welcome to 10 Minutes, a Breakout Investor Podcast. Today we are talking about Global Atomic, ticker GLATF, with Florian Bouchette. First, a disclaimer no one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investor Discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The application and much of the research content is free. After registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page, type in the ticker, and the results will give you a link to the research post with this podcast and to other discussion and research relating to today's company. Now to our topic, Global Atomic. Florian, uh, this ticker is listed on the OTC. It's a Canadian mining company. I believe uh, we are interested in it because it is in uranium, a space that you have led the community in realizing an opportunity uh, beginning late last year. Could you give us a little background about the company and tell us why breakout investors should be interested? Yes. So Global Atomic is not a mining company yet. It's uh, It's a developer. So they are developing their mine currently. And in my opinion, it's the best uranium developer out there, period. So they have a very high grade deposit in Niger, uh, that's a project. And I should mention, they have also uh, a joint venture in Turkey, cash flowing joint venture um, with Pefesa. And what they do there is recycling zinc. So that's, that's a real nice cash cow for them, just an additional business and certainly worth something. All right, if it's a development stage company, at least with respect to the mines, is this an older or a young company? Uh, it's relatively young in uranium terms. So deposit was found in the last decade, um, was developed during or explored during a bear market basically. And right now when, when the uranium price finally started to, to rise, they pulled the trigger and started serious development. Well, I noticed that they've got a US dollar market cap of over $400 million. So if they are still pre-production, they must have a really terrific piece of property. Yes, it's it's fantastic. So they are the developer with probably the lowest prospective cost base. And it's I need to really highlight, it's a high-grade deposit in Africa. That's unheard of. Usually, Africa is marked by, it's usually a good restriction for a uranium project, but all the deposits are typically low grade. And the DASA project is really an exception in that it's such a high grade as you would normally find only in the Athabasca Basin in Canada. In and Canada? Canada is the best place to go for uranium? Yes, uh, not restriction wise, but certainly in terms of grade. I see. All right, we're talking about the country of Niger. Yes, Niger. So Niger is typically rather dangerous. However, um, Global Atomic is pretty safe because they are very close to a French base, a French military base. So that's not an issue. Why are the French uh, in a military base? Why the French are there? Yes. Uh, because of history. Um, I think it was, it was a colony from France. The French military presence is very much as a guest of the government. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So all to the positive to the, ex- to the extent that they're there. Okay, good. All right. So um, you and I have had discussions about uranium in the past. I-, I assume you feel that uranium is much like copper. There is a long secular opportunity 
all assets should do well, but if you are, are keying yourself to a short-term supply uh, shortage, uh, you're probably better off looking at producing or near producing companies as opposed to uh, companies with a lot of resources in the ground. And that's no doubt why you like Global Atomic. So how close to being in production is the company? Uh, it's very close, actually. So I should mention the next catalyst basically is the pre-feasibility study, which will be released in Q3 of this year. And from then, pulling the trigger to actual construction is not far away. So I would assume they will <clears throat> they will start construction in 2022, maybe 2023, depending on the contract they get with utilities. And what's the methodology they're going to use to extract? Oh, it's open pit mining. Open pit. Uh, very large. Have you got any idea what uh, what what revenue levels we we should expect with this company? Um, it's probably easier to talk in terms of net present value um, to give you an idea of the valuation. So currently, there's only a PA out there that covers not even half of the deposit. And based on that, um, the company is fairly valued if you assume about 45 pounds, uh, $45 per pound in uranium price. However, the more realistic price we're going to see is around 60 Let's use that to transition over talking about the uranium market generally. As I said, you started talking about this secular opportunity late last year. Could you spend a few minutes developing the bull case for uranium? Yeah, so right now the price is around $30 per pound, and the marginal cost is about between 50, 50 and 60. But to satisfy all the demand, especially if you look at emerging economies, for example, India and China, it will probably at least need $60 per pound. So right now, nobody in the whole uranium space makes any money. Nobody. The major assets are basically shut down. The best mines are shut down. Imagine, uh, to give you the analogy, oil was so cheap that not even Saudi Arabia could produce. All right. Well, you're going to have to give a broader historical sweep here so that people understand the setup. Why is no one making any money? Why are prices going to go up, causing production to uh, to go back in? So there was <clears throat> there was a, a very high spike in around 2007, um, and after that, Fukushima happened. After which, um, certain countries shut down all their nuclear power plants. And especially the Japanese ones had uh, lots of inventory. And in general, there was uh, too much uh, contracted in pounds that have not had any any home. And so the inventory grew and grew, and that has depressed the price ever since. And it took some kind some time to work all that off. The uranium sitting in existing plants was reallocated to plants that remain in production. Yes, not only that, but but there were also miners that kept producing because they had these contracts, even though the pounds were not needed. And you're suggesting that this situation is working itself off, that the spot price of uranium is going to go up as uranium, available uranium becomes scarcer. At a certain point, the demand side will raise the price to a level that will kick supply back in. Yes. And you're saying that that's around $60. Marginal cost, yeah. Okay, so I still don't see why I should be excited about uranium. Uh, the fact that they're getting back into business is hardly a bull case. 
So what what's exciting about the opportunity? Well, you can say the so the commodity price alone needs to about double. And usually the miners have some and developers have some kind of leverage. Uh, going back to Global Atomic, I said it's basically based on the PEA, it's fully valued if you assume about 40 to 45 dollar per pound. But if we go to 60, that's an additional at least 30 or 40 percent upside. And that doesn't even cover the whole deposit. So what I would expect in the pre-feasibility study to be released is at least double the NPV and uh, maybe even lower costs. So you're looking at at least a double or triple from here. And that doesn't assume uh, over an overshoot in the uranium price, which is actually quite likely to happen, as we saw in the last spike. I've been trying to prompt you to explain why you see an overshoot in price is likely. Could you get into that? Yeah, because it just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't um, happen very fast that you ramp production when it is urgently needed. So uh, many utilities are starting to, to lose their contract coverage. And it takes about two years from taking pounds out of the ground until you can actually load them into a nuclear plant. That's just the fuel cycle, which takes that long. And supply side response won't be so quick. It takes years to build a mine, um, and some of them even a decade. So it's quite likely that we will find ourselves in a high demand situation, and the supply side is not able to respond quickly. So I have heard the expression, both in uranium and copper, that the industry is sleepwalking itself into a serious demand supply imbalance, which can only lead to skyrocketing spot prices, which will cause um, the supply side to, to kick back into gear. And that just as you've said, it'll take years for new mines to come into production. Therefore, prices are gonna stay high for a while, benefiting obviously stockholders in copper and uranium uh, names. So I think I heard you to say that Global Atomic is going to be in production probably next year, and you see them as an obvious beneficiary of this sleepwalking into a supply-demand imbalance. Yes, so not in production next year. They will maybe start construction. Production will certainly take longer, but they are in exactly the sweet spot to to start contract negotiations and uh, actually get contracted revenue. And at that point, um, you can easily see um, what potential there is. All right. Well, I don't think I've, I've had any other podcasts where my questions were as off base, but I think we elicited the, uh, the answers we were looking for anyway. So thank you very much for holding my hand through the podcast. Okay. All right. That's 10 minutes. Thank you, Florian. We are Breakout Investors. This podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understand company and research and collaboration we do. Please join us for discussion on this podcast for other breakout ideas on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com. Neither Breakout Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including respect to direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. The views on this podcast expressed are those of the speaker and not Breakout Investors. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.